Father, I thank you. I thank you that you did send your son. And I thank you that we have a a way into your presence because of the blood of Jesus. I ask, Father God, that your word would go forth this morning in power and in might and in majesty. And that is, goes forth that your people would be transformed more and more into the image of your son. I also ask, Father, for those who, who don't know you, who might be watching and listening, that they would hear the gospel and, and they, the gospel would find a soft heart. I ask, Father God, that these words would be yours and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Approximately two years into Jesus' ministry here on earth, Jesus begins teaching using parables. Parables are simple stories placed alongside greater truth. And a common pattern in these is, is to begin with something natural, something very common, and move to something supernatural and more complex. Let's read today's parable. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded up a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. This image is a very agricultural image, and it was very familiar to the people who who might have been able to, to look around them while Jesus was speaking and see farmers sowing seed. This was an agrarian society. They understood sowing and reaping. The Sea of Galilee, where this is taking place, was surrounded and still is surrounded by fields of various crops. When Jesus told this parable, there would have been crops of wheat and barley and rye and millet all around this area where Jesus and this group of people were at. It was very common. The image of a farmer carefully reaching into his leather bag and, and, and getting just the right amount of seed into his hand and then broadcasting it from the left and to the right as he walked through his field, that was very common. After Jesus tells this, this parable, he then gives some instruction to his disciples, but then he explains this parable. And we find that in Matthew 13 beginning in verse 18. Let's read that. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. 
And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. The sower in this parable is not identified. It, it, it's not, not clear in this first parable. But if, if you look at a later parable in chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 37, it, it spe- specifies that the sower in that parable is the Son of Man. So there's a sower there, and that's Jesus. So I think that it's safe for us to believe that Jesus is also the sower in the parable earlier in Matthew There's another reason why I think we are safe in saying that Jesus is the sower. And the sower goes beyond Jesus. Jesus was preaching salvation in his name. He's preaching the gospel. The preaching continued with the apostles. And continues then with each believer. I believe the sower then in this parable is anyone who preaches salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. Anyone who preaches and teaches the spiritual message of the kingdom of God is sowing seed. Anyone proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is sowing seed. In Matthew 13, the seed is also not identified. In Luke's version of this parable, he adds an identification of the seed. He says in Luke 8, 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Now I want us to, to understand then the seed is the word of God. So, so let's deal with the seed a little bit. Think about seed. There is no man-made seed. We can hybridize. We can alter the genetics of plants. But there are no synthetic seeds. Never have been, never will be. There is either a real seed or not. And God is the one who has created those seeds. The same way and the same idea goes along with the word. No human can create the word of God. God used human authors, but the revelation of God's kingdom only comes from God himself. And God gives it life and power and and it's his word. It's God's. Through the prophet Isaiah, God tells us this about his word. Isaiah 55, 11. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The seed is God's. He sends it. So in this parable, we, we, we see that The sower is consistent. It's it's always the same sower in in all of the parts of the proverb or, or of the parable. The seed is consistent. There isn't a discussion of a difference in seed. The variable in this parable is the soil. So the big idea in this parable is all about 
the soil into which the seed falls. I used to farm, so soil is something that, that, that kind of still is under my fingernails, so to speak. Soil is kind of simple. It's a mixture of broken down rock particles, decaying organic matter from plants and animals, bacteria, worms, and other little creatures, water and air. That's soil. It's, it's common. And the, basic, the basics of soil are the same. No matter where you go, the basics are the same. With the right conditions and or the right adjustments, any soil will grow plants. Some soil is more suited than others. In the same way, the human heart is the same. Every human heart has a similar concept. Every human heart is sinful. And every human heart is hostile towards God. So we begin with that basic. But every heart can be altered. Every heart can be conditioned. Every heart can be rescued and transformed by the power of God's word. Every heart is savable. In this parable, the four different soils represent four kinds of hearts that hear the message of the gospel. Whenever the gospel is proclaimed, those who hear belong to one of these four conditions of the heart. I farmed in in northern Colorado, and when I was farming, I raised corn and Coors barley, wheat, pinto beans, and hay. The the 425 acres that I I irrigated had a variety of soil conditions. And and sometimes even in individual fields, there was a variety of soil soil conditions that were were difficult to manage. The kinds of ground described in this parable really make good sense to me after my experience farming. This agriculture picture is good for us. And it was very effective in the first century because those agricultural practices gave a sense of understanding to the people that, that heard this. It made sense. The fields in the region around Galilee were laid out with, with narrow paths between them. Those paths, the historians, and they, they seem to think they were sort of around three feet wide. You'd have a, a three-foot-wide ish area that got really packed hard and then then the shoulders were packed a little bit less but you had these paths between the fields and many of them especially in the the center area of the path became really hard because people walked on them all the time if you were traveling anywhere in the first century you would have walked on one of these paths to get to almost anywhere Fields on either side and the path in between. Now, when, when you broadcast seed, it's impossible to control where the seed will fall. There was no control. No matter, no matter what a farmer did, some of the seed would fall on the path between the field. And that's the first soil that's related to a heart. This sowing of seed, the, the broadcasting is very different than our agriculture today. 
Because today we use what's called a drill and, and the seed is very precisely positioned in the soil at the right depth and it's automatically covered and everything is very controlled. But broadcasting the movement of the hand, the, the breeze, all of the, the walking, everything, there's a randomness and you never knew where that seed would fall. Some of the seed then would fall on those paths. Those hard-packed areas. And the the hard-packed areas were so hard that the the seed cannot germinate and might have been ground to bits by the foot traffic. But more than likely, it also became food for the birds who would would gather around and, and pick the seeds off of this hard ground. The person represented by this this hard soil hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. The reason for not understanding is hardness of heart. The heart is hard. The Old Testament uses a different term for this kind of hardness. The the Old Testament Testament term is stiff-necked. Interesting. The message of God's word then lands on this hard heart, it's heard, but is not considered important. And the word of the gospel, the message, is rejected. It's not important. There's a lack of repentance of any kind, and there's no, no, no way that this person pursues God. So, those, so this separates this person from any help from God. This means, in the agricultural terms, the seed cannot take root. And it's exposed to to Satan, the enemy of the soul. Some of the ways that Satan steals the grain, so to speak, is by promoting lies and false teaching to snatch away what has been sown. The truth is snatched away with doubt and prejudice and, and the love of sin and the love of worldly things. And the end result of this hard heart is, is a person rejects God and is not saved by the gospel. That's the first heart. Some people hear the gospel and they simply reject God. Some of the seed would fall on rocky places. In the first century, the plows were very different than, than the ones we use today. They were very lightweight And they weren't designed to go way down into the ground. They didn't go all that deep. And some of the soil in Galilee, really all it did was covered slabs, large slabs. These slabs of rock were too large for the farmers to lift out of the soil. Most of the rocks the farmers would go through in the plowing process and they would pick up the rocks and they would just remove them. But these slabs were underneath the soil and they couldn't be removed. They're just far enough under the surface that maybe the plow or or some other technique would be used and, and the soil would be stirred. The seed would be sown. And the seed would, would find moisture and some nutrients and, and it would, would germinate. But the roots could only go down to that rocky slab, and that rocky surface. And they were not able to penetrate that rock. And, and find moisture and nutrients for sustained growth and the, the energy needed to produce fruit. Initially, these plants would look good. 
but they could not support the growth needed to produce fruit. They were then easily scorched by the sun and would wither away. This soil represents the man who hears the word and very often would immediately receive it with joy. We see this in the church. There seems to be an emotional response. There seems to be a desire for the gospel. But this is a superficial response. The person hears the message of the gospel, but has a shallow heart. And the response, the resulting response is temporary. The apparent changes are only on the surface. And there's no real change within the heart. This kind of shallow response to the gospel is encouraged by something that's, that happens in our day and age. It's a shallow presentation of the gospel. That shallow presentation speaks of a gospel that, that's all about health and, and wealth and, and all of the other apparent benefits of, of, of believing. But that message doesn't include... Speaking of repentance from sin, dying to self, and the other costs of true belief. It's great that we accept the gospel and we know that God does amazing things for us and we are so blessed. But the gospel also needs to be understood that there's difficult things that go with it. Repentance from sin. Dying to self. Sometimes those aren't included. So this person with this kind of heart is on an emotional high. They've accepted the gospel at an emotional level. They may be motivated by the personality of the person presenting the gospel. They might be motivated by the atmosphere around them. The place where they're at. They might be motivated emotionally because of what the music has done in the meeting that they're attending. Very often in a church setting, this, this kind of person with this heart is, is very accepted. The people around them accept them and, and encourage them with excitement because there seems to be something moving towards a changed life. And life seems happy and good. The gospel caused a religious experience, a religious response. But there were no deep changes. There is no salvation because they do not continue with Jesus. The person's feelings have changed, but not the condition of the heart. There may be Many leaves, so to speak. And I remember this on my farm. There were some, some places where I was growing corn. And I remember that the corn came up. And there's all these really nice looking leaves. And the plants were nearly as tall as the ones next to them. But those stalks had leaves. But never ever produced fruit. Fruit is an evidence of salvation. A person may attend church regularly, but when the affliction and persecutions come, they fall away. Now, what, is, what does that mean? In one sense, afflictions and persecutions, those are difficulties of life and hardship. That's true. But more explicitly, what Jesus is getting at is this is the persecution that occurs because of the word of God. 
not just the ordinary troubles that come with life. And what we see with this kind of heart is as soon as someone opposes this new religious experience, this new attitude towards God, when this person feels and senses that opposition, they return to their former life. They, they can't handle the opposition. There's no repentance from sin. That's another clue. There's no brokenness or, or humility marking the true believer. So many times I'm, I'm around people and you can tell they're saved because they, they look at themselves in the mirror every day and they just think, you black-hearted, wretched sinner. There's something that has occurred. And the person that has emotionally ex- heard the word and responded re- in, in a religious sense doesn't see that. They don't have that. In the description of this person's heart, fall away is from scandalizo, and, and it means to cause or stumble. And this is where we get the word scandalize. The reality is that the person who has this kind of heart is ashamed of the gospel. And they're ashamed of the gospel when friends or family or co-workers criticize the Bible or criticize church or criticize Jesus or a life of faith. When they are pressured to compromise, they walk away from Christ. There's no substance there. There's no root to hold them hard and solid in the things of God. And they... Reject God. And very often this person then walks away from God disillusioned. Some of the seed in this parable falls on a third kind of soil. This soil represents the man who hears the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. There were, I remember this so well. It's really some of my bad times in my life. There were places that I farmed where I would prepare the field. I had, had everything going just right. And I'm waiting for that, that emergence of, of the seed I've planted. And suddenly, it's, it's like out of nowhere, cockleburr and Canadian thistle would just rush to the surface and begin to grow. And, and, and at the same time, I'd see these little, little sprigs of corn or or barley poking through the ground. And for some reason, the cockleburr and the thistle would just take off like at a race, and bang, and they're off and running. They would grow quickly. And as they grew, they're taking the moisture and the nutrients from the crop that I wanted. And those crops that I wanted to grow couldn't compete. This person with this kind of heart is receptive initially. They're receptive of the gospel. But they do not have a heart that that sees how they need to separate themselves from the world. This person is is into their career and making money and, and doing their hobbies and hunting and fishing and all of those things that we enjoy outdoors. And and they're into socializing They're into stuff. They're into the things of the world. Those things dominate their life. Now, 
I'm not giving up my fishing. So it's not like those things are bad. And it's not like our hobbies are bad, you know, and, and, and socialize. Those aren't bad. But what dominates your life? What is the priority of your life? That's the point. Even though this person hears the good news, they do not produce fruit. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The person represented by this soul, this soil, comes to church. They may be a regular attender, but they never commit to serving their fellow brothers and sisters. They don't serve the body of Christ. They claim to love Christ, but they're not maybe faithful in their marriage. They claim to love Christ, but but maybe they hold things against other believers. This person is preoccupied in their lifestyle with the things of the world. And they will hold on to the things of the world with a tighter grip than the things of God. This person has no root in God. The world is choking them out. They may have a good look because they've found moisture, nutrients, all favorable for a crop. But there is none because the world is more important to them than God. The fourth soil that Jesus speaks of is good. It's good soil. And and it has good depth and and good moisture and good nutrients, all the, the favorable things for producing a crop. And there's hope here. This is where our hope is at. In Matthew 13, Matthew records it this way. He says, this man, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. In Mark's version of the parable, he writes, they hear the word and accept it. And Luke's version, he says, they who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and Hold it fast. This person understands the gospel, accepts the gospel, holds on to the gospel, and the gospel sprouts and takes root. There's repentance. And the noxious weeds, those things that interfere with growth, they're treated with with herbicide and cultivation of the word. The plant grows and puts down deeper and deeper roots and grows and produces fruit. And Jesus, Jesus says something really neat in describing the fruit. He, 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 he talks about yield. The yield is hundredfold. Some produce a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Now, this would have been really incredible to those believers in the the first century, those people listening to Jesus, because the average ratio of harvested grain to seed planted 
in the first century. It is believed by historians that would have been seven and a half to one. So you get seven and a half grains of wheat for every one that you planted. This means the yield that Jesus is speaking of would have been way above average. Phenomenal. He's talking about huge fruit. He's talking about great things. Phenomenal yield. He also says 160 and 30. No two Christians will produce the same amount of fruit. Just like on the farm, different fields and sometimes different parts of the field produce different fruit. The soil conditions, all of the things that were there, they produced different yields. Spiritually, every believer produces fruit. This is one of those things that we can go, okay, I can see them producing fruit. They're saved. It's one of the things that we can identify. Every believer produces fruit. And there's times as we're going through this process of of sanctification that there's a little tiny bit of fruit because we're struggling. And there's other times where there's big fruit. Spiritually, Every believer produces fruit. In John 15, 1, Jesus teaches us God the Father is the farmer, the gardener. He's the one who, who's working this. His desire for each believer is for them to be fruitful. And our fruitfulness is the result of being connected spiritually to Jesus. John 15. Look at verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The sower teaches that whenever the gospel is proclaimed, there are four Basic responses. Only one of those responses produces fruit. The question then today is, what is the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your life? What is in your heart? Hear the gospel. You are a condemned sinner. Jesus came as a man, died on the cross, was buried, but rose on the third day and is now in heaven. That's the gospel. Do you hear that? And does that fall on your heart and you just go, ah, thank you, Jesus. Do you believe the gospel? Is your heart good ground? If you are a believer, do you continue to sense the, 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 the importance of, of what God is doing in your heart? Is your heart still soft? Is your heart still good ground? If you believe the gospel and your heart is soft, 
You're saved. You're rescued from eternal hell. If you hear the gospel today and you're not saved, you're not sure, make a choice. Choose to accept the word, to hear the word, to take that word and hold on to it. And let God have his way with your heart that you would produce fruit. And if you believe this today, whether you've been saved for a long period of time or whether you just now came to Christ, tell someone. Tell someone of the goodness of of Jesus. Tell someone the gospel, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead and he lives today. Let's be people who produce fruit. Father, thank you that you teach us that you have great and wonderful things for us when we're connected to you. I ask, Father God, that you would find in the people today that are calling out to you, that you would find soft hearts, good soil, that, Father, the seed of the gospel would would spring forth. And I ask, Father God, that, that it would not just spring forth and germinate, but it would grow and be powerful and strong and produce fruit. Thank you, Father God. And no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the difficulties, you, the sower, always are consistent. The seed is always consistent. You're always the same. And we can trust you. Thank you, Father for the greatness, the goodness, the majesty of what you have done through the good news of your son, Jesus. In his name, amen.